spoken lately. I haven't thought about flying for a long time. I haven't dreamed of that moment when I was alone above the clouds for a long time. I haven't dreamed of waking up in a room surrounded in blue and green grass more years than I could dream of memory. I haven't walked back into the past or scratched on the doors of my origins, where it all came from, since I held up that cape for the last time. Return to Kent Town 10th year anniversary edition is a revised version of Ambien's first poetry book. The book can be purchased from Amazon and it contains numerous additional material. Spoken Hi, it's Andian from Spoken Label. A spoken Label was originally set up at the beginning of 2016 and records show it started off really as a one-off podcast chatting to writers, poets and artists. Over time, it became monthly, then weekly and occasionally nowadays it goes on that to a more regular basis. To date, I've done over 330 sessions and I'm always looking for new poets, writers, artists, singer-songwriters, general interesting creative people to come onto the podcast. You can find this on all the usual networks over Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Podbay and dozens of others. But it does have a central database of spoken label, which is all one word, dot bandcamp.com. Obviously now, to help me with the running costs of this podcast, I'm always grateful for any kind of donation to assist me with it. You can either do the donation through the Bandcamp page by putting in a fee to download one of the free podcasts, or send it over to my PayPal to aen1mpo at yahoo.co.uk. My email address again is aen1mpo at yahoo.co.uk. Enjoy the podcast. Take care. Bye. Spoken Label. Hi, guys. Andy N. Spoken Label. On a Monday night today, yeah. The night the week knackers me out, but it's always great. So I've got a dear friend of both mine and Amanda's with me today. And this gentleman lives about 10 minutes drive from us as well. So we probably could have met him in the pub to do this. But <laughs> anyway, we've got the fantastic Roy Page of us today. Now, we know Roy really through. He's been a regular on night and speak easy, but he does so many other nights. And as you'll soon find out shortly, he is an incredibly busy man. And he just bought his debut collection out as well, 50s child. So, Roy, obviously, to start off with, mate, then, tell people oh. a little bit about yourself. The people obviously will soon find out you're not originally from the Denton area, are you? From Salford originally, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I started life in in, uh, in Salford and uh, in a little terrace street like everybody else before the, in this in the fifties. I'm a fifties child. That's the name of my book, and um, it left a lot of um, memories from from then them days. But anyway, um, a bit later on, when we were about ten or eleven years old. Hmm. Uh, all, all those houses got knocked down, if you like. A lot of them houses got knocked down and they moved us away onto council estates. But uh, just just briefly, I went back, when I started work, I went back to Salford and uh, started uh, working as a driver's mate around the dockyard. Oh, yeah. 
yeah, around the dock area. And then eventually got a HGV license and uh, worked in that area for 20 years. So I saw all the changes over the 70s, 80s, 90s, you know, saw how it was and how, it's, how it is today. So really, that's why I can write a lot about it. Yeah. Yeah, simply down to facts because it's what I love about your your pieces, bro. Is and then what you're hearing, people hear is in the second half is the vividness in it. Because you're correct. You're they always say with writing, you write what you know, and your yeah. stories are like some of the most vivid things I've I've really ever heard on a long time in the poetry side of things. So, yeah. when did so, you first start writing? Did it come to you later in life, or have you always been writing? Yeah, no. Listen, I'm I'm not an academic or anything. I I I, I failed me eleven plus. To be honest with you, when I was a oh, kid, you know, oh, yeah. So it's just uh, as as time went by, you know, uh, as I got towards retirement, uh, I started doing a little bit of poetry. My brother started doing a bit of poetry, and I just copied, followed oh. on from him. Found I could do it. Oh, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, like if somebody's uh, having a birthday that you know, you write a little poem about them because the the fact that you know people, you know them, you know the things mm. that they've done and there. So. I've done a lot of that, and then uh, I just got onto this theme about you know writing about um, the old days, and and it took it from there really. Probably about eight years now. I'm I'm retired now, so uh, you know. Happily, about, people know his words happily retired as well. I think you've told me several have, times, haven't you? Yeah. Happily retired, yeah. Only one year, but uh, yeah. And when I go on holiday, I kind of take my books with me, and you get a chance to relax, don't you, when you're on holiday. And you think more, so yeah, yeah. That's, so that's really basically about seven or eight years I've been doing it. Wow, yeah. wow. Then have you found and give you has your work changed much over the seven or eight years you've been writing? Really, I think so. Yeah, I, I don't think I'd have been able to do this, you know, because like I said, I'm not a really, I'm not really an educated person. But because of the tools that you've got these days, the spell checks and all that mm. sort of stuff, oh, God, yeah. you, you can you can correct yourself. You can do it, can't you? And I think we, yeah. I think a lot of, a lot of people, you know, need that. And uh, so I've gotten onto a lot of that sort of stuff, and uh, and it works for me. And obviously, I'm not stupid, but I'm just not educated, if you like, you know. No, I'm quite, you, you quite, write from the heart, mate, and that's what I think great about your work because it's people. Yeah. You can really vivid when it comes alive. So the books, your books great. The books great. Thank you. But getting into this poetry world, it's mm. a vast. It's it's a, it's a lot of different types of stuff, as you know. You know, you see you see a lot of people. They don't they don't. I rhyme my stuff, but I know you don't, Andy, and other people. They do it different ways. Yeah, yeah. And uh, sure. it took me a few years to actually get into it and adapt. You know, and I'm really enjoying it now. It's a real good thing to sort of come in my at this time of my life yeah. you know at the retirement end i'm enjoying it you know i think uh i can do it okay so you know yeah yeah, yeah. great you're great to watch and your book's great nice and 40 people will obviously know it because there's a little musical instrument at the back of you on the camera here today as well which is great really so i can ask you about your music as well because because i know yeah. you've got a band going that's in rehearsals at the moment yeah and you've been in other bands over the years as well haven't you so yeah um yeah, just like rock and roll stuff, you know. You know, uh, we've actually had, I've been in about two or three bands over the last 20, 30 years, really, just uh, singing and strumming a few chords, playing harmonica, and, you know, pretty much enjoyed that side of things. It, COVID's 
obviously, like everything else, got in the way a little bit. So uh, we were up and we were up and running as a band called Diversion just before COVID, and um, it came to a stop like anything else. Everything had to be put away, uh, and it's hard to get everybody back together again now. So we're in the throes of doing that, and you keep looking. I know I because I'm. 60 odd now I, I look at myself and I think oh, how long am I going to be doing this for so you, you panic a little bit you know but I think I'll carry on for a little bit longer strumming yeah. the guitar and, you know yeah no, no I can't blame me it's great because I've heard I've seen your videos of Diversion and brilliant and I hope to see yeah. hope to see you live if your new band or if Diversion even come back so but I said it's great stuff indeed well worth checking out now I'm going to ask you Going to the last part of this now, I want to talk about a couple of your pieces in your local collection, if you don't mind, yeah. do you? Right. Yeah. The one that they're all great stuff, these, but the one, there's two of them I want to ask you about in particular. Um, and because I've heard the I've heard the story about this one, and people should hear this. Is first of all, Buffalo Bill's Wild West show. Yeah, yeah. What's all that? Because obviously, I know where Buffalo Bill is or was, but I didn't know he's come to Manchester, mind you. So, which is fantastic to hear. Yeah. So. A lot of people don't know about that, but um, in the 1800s, um, Buffalo Bill came to, uh, well, he toured the world, to be honest, with his, with, with his entourage, with his Indians. A lot of the Indians that came were on the run from Little Bighorn. And uh, they came over, and there's loads and loads of stories in the archives about Buffalo Bill bringing his, uh, his troops over. I think they came over to London first, and then they made their way up onto Salford, up to Salford, and they stayed for five months in the 1870s, I think it was. And if, and if you think about it, in those days, you, you have to think about it, in those days, it was, before, it was before they ever built the Manchester Ship Canal, and it was actually, they, they set up their um, showground on the land that is the docks now, but wasn't then. And um, it was a proper poor, old, you know, obviously poor, town manchester and salford and it makes you wonder how people knew about it because in the 1880s they didn't even have radios in their own houses did they yeah if you think about it i mean when we were kiddies growing up in the 50s you've cowboys and indians on tv black and white obviously and um so we saw all that we used to play in the streets as cowboys and indians and stuff but in the 1880s, there was none of that. It was all done by posters and hearsay and stuff. Anyway, he toured the world, Buffalo Bill. If, a lot of people might know about this, but uh, Salford was one of the first places. So I, I gathered all the information up, uh, like you can do these days, and I wrote a poem about it. Yeah, so it's in the book. Buffalo uh, yeah. Bill in the book, yeah. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get you to read that second half because I do read about yeah. that piece. Because I'm, I'm big, I'm, I'm a big American West buff. So when I, when I first heard that, I didn't know the story about him being in Salford. So okay. yeah. the, one, the one I want to touch on is is obviously is your Uncle Terry's American car as well, which I've also heard you do before now as well. Yeah, tell us the story about your Uncle Terry in this car. Then. So this little this little book that I've got out at the moment there's a picture on the front on the front page, and that oh. is the. That's the actual street that I lived in. Oh, whoa. I was wondering that. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. So that's the actual street I, I lived in. And if you hmm. look at the bo- at the bottom there, that's the docks. You can see the docks from the bottom of the street. Oh, yeah. And I, men- I mentioned that in, in one of my, my poems, Docks and Keys. And um, and where the picture's taken from, my uh, my nana and granddad, my gran, 
and my granddad lived there in that at that house. And I remember when I was a little boy, my grand, uh, my uncle Terry, my dad's brother, he, he had an American car, a big black American car, you know, with the wings on on the back and everything. Yeah, and uh, it makes you think, how the hell, you know? Well, obviously in them days, I just thought it was amazing, but and looking back now, thinking about it now, it was there was no cars about, and he had a big big black American car, and it all stuck in my mind. So I wrote a poem about it, you know. Oh, like, brilliant, yeah. It's like you said from the Buffalo Bill thing before, because you're looking back yeah. at those days, aren't you? That sort of car that your uncle had, basically what nobody else would have had in the area, really, because it probably cost him yeah. a fortune to get it imported over here. Yeah, he was a bit of a teddy boy. You know, he was a young oh, fella. God. Yeah. Oh, was, God, yeah, one of my uncles was a teddy boy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was a young, I think he had a lot of money because he was like, he was an electrician and he was a young fella. So he was earning money, no no, no wife or anything. So I think he just, you know, he could have do it. He could afford it. Yeah, there wasn't money about it in them days, I tell you. Oh no, yeah, no. My my mum and dad both from that era, and yeah, but my dad's told me that I'm a mum as well. They both it was a real struggle in times. It was straight away. Yeah, so. yeah. but I only stayed in that street about what seven or eight years. But it just brings back so many memories. You know, nobody had anything, but it was like happy days. It must have been because I can't think of anything bad about it. You know. Yes, well, I said you know it. I'm I'm the seventies child and. I'm the yeah. same. I grew up in the seventies. We didn't. We never had much, much challenge. My mum and dad and me, yeah, yeah. my brother and sister on top of it. We were the same. What we were happy, and it's decided yeah. to change a lot over that. Challenge you. There's some yeah. kind of, it's consumerism problem. <laughs> thing is, everybody's. That's one of the things I say in the book. Everybody's got everything now, haven't they? But yeah. are they any happier? You don't know, really, do you? So are they? You know, maybe people have too much these days. I don't know. Yeah, I think I, mean, you know, I agree with you. It does it answers questions straight away. Now, yeah. I want to obviously ask you then first of all, then obviously onto your book, top of your book. Yeah. What made you want to bring the book out now? Then was it obviously? I know you just retired. Was that where you had time to think about this more? You thought that was the direction you wanted to go? It was. Um, it was a well. The, the publisher. The, um, it, I can't remember the name now. You know the you know the name. Don't yeah, you? little little oh. gem. Is it little gem? Little, little gem. Little yeah, gem yeah. Press, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I've done a couple of bits for them in the past mm. on, on the uh, Manchester anthologies. Oh. And uh, so I've got their emails and stuff. And um, just before Christmas, they were uh, saying they were encouraging people to put a little book out. So I rushed it together. I got a few poems together and I rushed it together. Mm. And that's what that's why I didn't get it through for Christmas. Obviously, I couldn't. It, it, it was there was no time. It was a bit late. I was going to, it was one of those like offers where buy so many books and give them out for Christmas, if you like. Yeah, but yeah. I've, always, I've always wanted to put a book together. And uh, this was the easiest, not the cheapest way, but it was the easiest way to do it at the time. So I, th I threw I threw a few poems together. They only wanted 16, 15 or 16 poems. So that was, um, I could do that anyway. You know. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's cool to people wondering, obviously look on the camera now. I've got the little book in front of me, and Roy has as well. You can show Roy can show his copy as well. He's got left as well, but it's it's like a little, I guess, a five copy, a five size, or maybe a six even. But it's gorgeous, lovely little thing. So yeah, that is that. Yeah, it was in. I could I could theme it. You see, you know, it wasn't like mm. a. It was. It's the theme of. I could I could put sixteen poems together with the same theme if you like. So uh, that's what I wanted to do. That's my first anyway. 
Yeah, yeah, and I'll straight away. That's fantastic. Like I said, with that. So, do you think you're, you want to do a second collection, Roy, or you're not sure yet? Oh, yeah, I do, because um, I, I planned to do a new another book now, um, but take my time with it and um, put some more, make it a little bit bigger. And I want to il illustrate my own book as well this time. Oh, do you do illustrations? I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, I've always been a bit of a drawer, but um, I'm learning to paint at the moment. That's one of the things oh, I'm doing. Paint. So um, that's what that's my next plan. I want to do that. Probably won't theme it this time. I'll just random random poems, um, different things, but make it a little bit bigger. It'll take a couple of years probably, but I've got the time now, and that's my plan. Yeah. Oh wow! No, I did, I did not know you were a painter. Oh, wow! Is that something? Is that if you just started that as well? Then never yet. You, you I've just started an art course just to learn how to paint. I've always been a bit of a drawer. I, mm. I worked for um, I don't know if I can mention the AA or not. I worked for the AA for. Always mention them, don't. Nothing to hide there, mate. Right? They got my philosophy yeah. is you retire so unless you yeah. start bad mouth for them, they can't sue you. No, no, <laughs> uh, no, no bad memories really. You know, uh, I worked for them for a few years, but everywhere I've been, I've. I've done cartoon work for people, for, you know, I did a bit for the AA, and mm. got involved in a little bit of that sort of stuff. So I can draw. I've always been able to draw since I was a little, you know, a little boy. But I've always wanted to learn to paint because that's, excuse the pun, but that's an art in itself, you know, learning how to put paint to paper. And that's going to be a challenge, you know, uh, designing my new book. Yeah. Yeah, I think it will be. It's, you think really with all the, very, people wondering, I'll tell you, they notice you, you, you're incredibly creative man in all kinds of fields. And I could do several fields myself, but I, do you find when you're moving from one to another, it's you're flicking like a different switch in your brain, really, aren't you, I suppose? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's so enjoyable, isn't it? I kind of find it enjoyable. You know, it's difficult to play an instrument, isn't it? And you've got, yeah. to, apply, you've got to apply yourself. You've got to put a little bit of work in. You know, and it depends how much work you put in, whether you know how far you get with it. Same with everything. Same with you know, I've started this art course and I'm enjoying it so much, but it's so difficult. It is difficult, you know, to paint and draw, and and the same with the poetry. So yeah, you've just got to put a little bit of work in, and um, and you get your results. Yeah. Oh, completely, man. I agree. I think you're right because that sort of thing where you might get some setbacks to start off with it. Yeah. But I think when you train yourself to do master one thing, it makes yeah. you more single-minded, I think, to want to carry on doing stuff straight away with us. Oh, excellent, yeah. man. Good luck. Yeah. Definitely, mate. Now, obviously, we're gonna, we'll start wrapping up this point now, so I want to give you a chance to read out a few poems for us. But first of all, then, obviously, if people want to get hold of this book, where do you recommend they go? Um, well, I, I, I don't really... I mean, I can give my uh, my email address out. Mm. Or... And uh, people don't have to face Facebook me. I think you know I'm on Facebook, and uh, people will just have to get me through Facebook really, and then I can private message people if they want to, if they want a copy of the book or, you know, I've been getting rid of several copies at a time because people that relate to it want to share it with the family. It's that, it's that kind of thing you see. Yeah, no, it's definitely it's a real, it's a real memorable book of certain area. Yeah, grief. Yeah, yeah, really through Facebook. Um, I can't really, I'm not really technically minded that way, you know, but uh, maybe when people see this blog, they can get they can get in touch with me. Can I give my email address? 
Lucky two, yes, please, yes, please. So it's Roy Page, 56, at hotmail.co.uk. Tremendous, yeah. Uh, well, check it out, honestly. I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not a person that says it's blindly. This is a fantastic label. I love it. A lovely gentleman. That's a lovely book as well. Before we wrap up, Roy, I think we should really give him a plug out to, to Pauline Town over the station because you I think you deserve to tell people what you've done with your first run in your book as well. Yeah. So, Pauline, um, <clears throat> a lot of people know Pauline <clears throat> for the work that she does um, at the Station Hotel in Ashton, Ashton Underline in Manchester. Uh, you know, she looks after and feeds the homeless. Um, I don't know if she can call it a charity or not. I'm not sure whether that's um, whether she can or not. But uh, she's, she collects food and feeds people every single day of the week, hundreds of people. And so <clears throat> I go down to the... She also does a poetry night at the end of the, every month. And um, and she's a lovely person as well. And I, and I go down and do my poetry at the end of the month. As much, as much as I can. And uh, so with the proceeds of the first 50 books, uh, which have gone now, uh, I donated the money to uh, Pauline to do what she wanted to do with the uh, the charity work that she's doing. So, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that was tremendous. Tremendous thought, mate. So, okay, on that note, we'll wrap up part one and we should be back, everybody, in a few minutes when Roy's going to do a, a number of pieces in this book for us. And see you all. Spoken Label. Hi guys, Andy and Spoken Label. An amazing Roy Page. We have a special guest, unannounced as well. Who is a special guest? A mandarin. Yeah, the wife. So, <laughs> but she, people are wondering. She loves Roy as much as I do. So, and I knew Amanda would not want to miss this part for the fantastic Roy Page. Straight over to Roy. He's got four pieces to go and deliver. An amazing collection. Over to you, mate. Thank you very much. Cheers. Okay, um, we've talked this. We've talked about Buffalo Bill being in Salford over the years, and this is the poem that I've left. I've put in my book called Buffalo Bill's Wild West Show. I went for a walk the other day down Kansas Avenue, just off Old Broadway, and I looked across at the Docklands before me where the new Salford Keys stands today. And I tried to imagine a time before that, when on that same land stood the old Manchester racetrack, where Buffalo Bill Cody brought his Wild West show to amaze the Salford people all those years ago. It was the winter of 1887 when the Wild West show tour came around they set up their teepees and they circled their wagons by the cobbled stone streets of the dirty old town. They built an arena inside the old track where the crowds packed in every day to watch sharpshooters, rough riders and Indian braves as they put on their colourful display. They brought horses, mules, elk and deer and even some buffalo and Custer's last stand at the Little Bighorn was always the finale of the show. One sad thing happened on that Northwest tour to a six foot seven inch Indian brave. The cold, damp winter wind took his life one day. Surrounded by the enemy was his name. Then Little Chief and Goodrobe had a baby girl, the first Sioux Indian born outside the USA. They named her Francis Victoria 
Alexander, with the Indian name over the sea. They had her baptised at St. Clement's, where the crowd the locals came to see such a thrill. And all of the colourful show people arrived at the church, led on horseback by Buffalo Bill. Then before they left town, on the very last night, Buffalo Bill got into a fight. He punched out a cabbie who asked for his fare, then went off to bed without even a care. The magistrates find him, but Bill had long gone. After five months in Salford, the show had moved on. Sadly, very little is known of this story today. But I wonder if she knew about her birthplace in Salford, that little Indian girl named Over the Sea. Yeah, that's a true story. Um, from uh, what you know, from before they built the ship canal, before they built the docks, uh, and they used there was a Manchester racetrack just on before the docks were built, and um, and that's where they they did it all them years ago. They brought the um, Buffalo Bill brought his party over from America. It's astonishing story, it really is. It's very yeah. like you correctly said the first half. It's a it's a lot and almost forgot about part of history. Had you heard of the story before, Amanda? But I enjoyed the poem and I could imagine it as he was yeah, it's incredible. It really is to, it's to details as everything, Roy, sometimes, because you're such a good storyteller. And it's like... there's, lot, there's lots and lots of other add-on stories to it, and it's all in the archives. You know, if you, if anybody's interested, you can even you can check it all out. Some of the uh, some of the um, the relatives of the people that came over stayed over here. Oh yeah. You know, Lived their lives in Salford and Manchester and Gordon and places like that. Yeah, wow. it's worth reading. It's worth reading. Yeah, so I'm going to definitely look into that one. It's yeah. amazing, mate. Definitely. So, yeah, so Mama said, right, it's a cracking poem. Really is, Belter. Yeah. Okay, mate. We're on to poem number two now, aren't we? Yeah, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to read um, this one called Docks and Keys next. It's because um, if, you, if you ever get this book or if you look on the front of the book, there's a little street on the front of the book. And looking down the street, you can see the Manchester Ship Canal, the docks on the front of the book. Uh, that's it there, the little street. And that's the street that I was, uh, I lived in when I was a little boy. Uh, and, it, and so it's inspired me to write about, about the docks and the keys and the changes over the years. So this next poem is called uh, Docks and Keys. When I was a kid growing up, in old Salford town, our street was always empty, with no cars to be found. There were play streets for the children, playing kick-can and rally vote, and 20-a-side football games. How times are different now. From the end of our street, you could see the docks and the Manchester Ship Canal, with ships bringing goods from around the world to buy and trade and sell. Thousands of men moved millions of tons of iron, stone and earth, building bridges and locks and digging the docks. They all came for the work. When Queen Victoria cut the tape in 1894, she opened up a gateway and the world stepped through the door. For 60 years, the docks were booming, but slowly over time, ships got bigger, containers took over. There was a gradual decline. Well, my uncle Jack worked on the docks, driving a roll bell and laying down plates. And for almost 20 years, he walked through those dock gates. 
When the docks were busy and work was a plenty, there was a sense of pride. And when the dock gates closed for the very last time, part of Salford died. Now today, 50 years on, it's quite a different scene. The dockers are gone, but in their place has risen Salford Keys. They saved the docks and fixed the locks and made the water clean. Yes, Salford can be proud again of what it has achieved. It's a place where people live and work, once again the place to be, with museums, theatre, a media city and a home for the BBC. A water sports centre with swans swimming, swimming by, buildings of glass reaching up to the sky. And across the water, hear the roar of the crowd, lies the theatre of dreams. So Matt would be proud. And if my Uncle Jack was here today, I know he would be pleased to see the progress that's been made down on Salford Keys. Yeah, so that's that one. Tremendous, mate. Tremendous. I'm going to ask him, because uh, you've been on Salford Keys me a few times, haven't you? Yeah, so. yeah. I, to be honest with you, right, I don't know if you know, I actually grew up not far from there, actually, I did. And really? Back in the year, I, I was born just up the road from Old Trafford, basically, so oh, right. I lived okay. Stratford on that way for 40 odd years of my life. And I always remember my mate driving me up down there just after the Keys started reopening up in the middle late eight, late 80s. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember I, I worked on the timber wagons down there and I I, rem I was about 17. I was a driver's mate on the uh, timber wagons. Oh, yeah. I remember, I remember going down to the docks with my with my driver and all the trucks, getting in a queue and uh, and then moving up towards the ship in the queue. And uh, and then I used to have to stand on the back of the truck and they'd crane the timber out of the, out of the ship and onto the truck and I had to land it. And it was like a, I think that was probably one of the last timber boats that came into Salford. Wow. Yeah, so that's another memory. Yeah. That'd be your next book, that one, definitely, then, mate. Won't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, great stuff. Now, I, I thought it, it's a really good link now because obviously, going from your two piece about Salford now, and I know yeah. your other two piece you'll do for us are much more, much more personal memories, I suppose, really, aren't they? So, the next yeah. one, straight away, like I said. So, Anyway, we'll let you move on, mate. Over okay. to you, number three. Yeah, I'm ready. Yeah. So this next one that's in the book uh, is called Joe's First Car. And um, in in my later working life, I drove a truck and I worked for the uh, Automobile Association, picking people up that were broke down and taking them to the garage, you know, with the cars. And a few years ago, I picked a guy up, an old chap like me, and uh, he had an old vintage car and he told me a story we got chatting and he was from Salford in fact he was born in the street next to mine if you like when I was a kid and we got chatting and got loads of stuff in common and uh, he told me that he was quite dyslexic actually but he'd been encouraged to write a story about the first car that he'd ever bought and he wrote it all down all the information and he showed it me he gave me the information and also, this chap, he worked at, he worked as a DJ on hospital radio in uh, Crumpsall and uh, North Manchester. And uh, so I wrote him, I wrote the poem, Joe's First Car, out of the information that he gave me. And I read it on his radio show a few years ago. 
So uh, I'm going to read it out now. This is uh, just this is called Joe's first guy. He was so delighted with it when he when he when he got it. So it's called Joe's first car. He passed his test third time lucky in 1962. Nine lessons in a minivan with Arthur's driving school. He worked and saved as hard as he could and called in every favour. Then off he went to buy a car, armed with Eric Taylor. Well, Eric Taylor was his uh, his mate and he was an apprentice mechanic, so that's why he went with, with him. At Mount Pleasant Garage, there it stood, a Ford Anglia, black and sleek. So he struck a deal for 35 quid, plus 15 bob a week. He took it home to Frederick Street to show his mum and dad. And his mum said later she felt like the Queen while sitting in the back. He went to the local hardware store to buy silver tape and white gloss. And with go-faster stripes and white wall tyres, he felt like Sterling Moss. Out to the Oasis Club on a Tuesday night with Morris, Eric and Colin, watching the pop bands of the day in his treasured passion wagon. Then once a week, when he'd been paid, without hesitation, he'd call and get his half a gallon from Estrie's petrol station. Times were different, different nowadays. We have more things by far. But Joe says they were happy days when he bought his first car. Yeah, he loved it. He loved that poem. He was so made up. Oh, wow. Yeah. What well, Jackman has that got a really nice sense of nostalgia, isn't it? That yeah. piece, it really does, because it's you yeah. can see the loving that piece straight away, Roy. What a beautiful piece, mate! Absolutely tremendous. Yeah. Wonder if you get anything to onto it. No, she's been very, she's been, it would be a wonder. She'd be very quiet and shy again. What <laughs> <laughs> brilliant right stuff, Roy. Okay, we're over yeah. to I do always say a spoken label now, the big finale. The big finale, yeah, okay. whenever you're ready, mate. Okay, this one is one the one that you mentioned earlier um, about my uncle Terry's American car, and just 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 to imagine when we were little kiddies, me and my brother. My brother was always with me everywhere we went. Our kid, a little bit younger than me, we went everywhere. We did everything together. Uh, so he gets mentioned a lot in in my poems. So yeah, this is a uh, about this my my uncle Terry's American car back in the sixties. My Uncle Terry had an American car parked at the top of our street, black and shiny with white wall tyres, all chrome and black leather seats. There weren't many people had a car back then, unforgettable, un unaffordable to the average man. There were only two other cars in our street, a taxi and my dad's three-wheel van. This car would not have looked out of place on the streets of San Francisco instead of cruising down Regent Road or outside Wee's bus depot. It seemed out of place from a different world, something only seen on the telly. But there it was in that Salford Street, and it belonged to our Uncle Terry. He asked me and our kid to guard it once from the rest of the kids in the street. And if you saw a dirty mark, you'd polish it off with some spit on the end of your sleeve. One day, he said he'd take us to Blackpool, but we'd have to get permission off our mum. So we ran down the street to ask her, and when we come out, it'd gone. So when I watch the old films on the, from the 60s, it brings back, back a memory from afar, 
and I think of my uncle Terry and his big black American car. Yeah, that's it. Good memory. Oh, wow. Absolutely. Yeah. I thought this is a great way again of finishing session off, Roy. What do you think, Amanda? Yeah, it does like. I just love that line where he, yeah, he said he'd take you to Blackpool and then he off. <laughs> it's funny because I um, spoke to his wife about two years ago mm. and he was in a nursing home, Uncle Terry. And uh, I sent her the poem and um, they laughed their heads off at that line, actually, because oh. he was a bit of a torment like that, you know. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> Remembered it. We've had plenty of laughs about that. Oh God, he would do. And the best yeah. bit is Roy. He probably didn't even realise what he's caused at the time, did he? But just when he just did it, probably like no, he just months. didn't care. He just wanted to get rid of two kids, didn't it? Two <laughs> yeah. I think so. Straight away with that, Roy. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, mate, it's been a, that's it for today, guys and girls from Spoken Label. I want to thank Roy again because we've had a vastly entertaining hour. We'll catch up with an old friend of ours today, Amanda, haven't yeah. we? So. Been brilliant, yeah. mate. So, then, thanks for back on when the next book's out. I promise you that now, mate. Okay, thank you very much. Bye. Right, I, I want to thank Amanda as well. Thank you, Amanda, as well. So, right, everybody, that's it. I've accepted for so hang around, Roy. I do need to chat your mic anyway, and Amanda will be staying here as well. But to conclude, as I always say, as Don Callis over at AW says, stay safe and stay over. We will see you all next time. Spoken, mate.